Good morning, Four Oaks Church. It is Tuesday, March 21st, 2023. So glad you've joined us for this round of our pastoral devotionals. As you can see, I am in my big orange, my big UT Tennessee orange, because the Vols find themselves in the Sweet 16 with a Thursday night game in Madison Square Garden. You might be watching this devotional years, decades after the time I record this. So who knows how the Vols did? But we're here to enjoy the ride while it lasts because as sports fans know, it never does. All right, we are neck deep, eyeball deep in the Sermon on the Mount. And so I'm gonna read the passage that we are camping out in this week, which of course are the Beatitudes. And so let me read the first 12 verses of the most famous sermon ever preached. Here we go. Matthew 5, verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. All right, so what we've left off last time saying is that we really need to, to read the Sermon on the Mount generally, and the Beatitudes specifically, um, in the sort of prophetic um, tradition of the wisdom literature, right, that we find in books like Psalms and Song of Songs and Ecclesiastes and even somewhat in the Psalms. And wisdom literature were, was given to the Old Testament people, people of God, and of course to us, to give them a vision of what the blessed life looks like, the good life, the life flourishing, the happy life, the joyful life. And in that sense, um, the, the Proverbs, for example, were never meant to be read as ironclad promises. So raise up your child in the way he or she should go, and when they're old, they will not depart from it. That's a proverbial saying. Mean It means that more or less, the way life generally works out and the way God's economy works out, when you raise your children in the way of the Lord, they are more likely than not to follow that path than not. But as we know, that's not a promise, okay? It's simply a proverbial saying. It's something you can entrust yourself to as a parent, knowing that you've done what you can do, your responsibilities, and now you entrust um, the results to God. And in a lot of ways, that's exactly how the Sermon on the Mount functions. It's an invitation to the good life, to the life flourishing, to a happy life, to a joyful life. It's not a promise that God will shield us from harm or sickness or disease or even death in every circumstance, far from it. What it does, it gives us the, the ground rules by which we can entrust our souls to God and know that our souls are 
at peace, that we have shalom, that regardless of what's happening around us, um, we can be flourishing with God nonetheless. And what we want to do today is begin to break down these Beatitudes um, in um, accordingly and, and spend the week unpacking them. So let me say a couple of things as, as, we, as we do this, okay? First of all, there's a lot of different ways of thinking about the Beatitudes and the way they are structured. There's a lot of different ways to teach them, a lot of different ways to, to preach them. So for example, several years ago, maybe four or five years ago, we preached through the Beatitudes as part of a summer series, and we spent a week on each of these Beatitudes. And depending on how you divide them up, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight or nine, let's call it nine. Uh, we spent eight or nine weeks, um, a, a, a sermon, a beatitude. And there's been many preachers who followed that path. And I think quite fruitfully, the most famous being Martin Lloyd-Jones, um, who preached through, um, he spent me more than a week on each of these beatitudes in some cases. That, that's one way to, to preach it. Another way to preach it, and the way that we're, I'm going to preach it this Sunday, is to preach them all in one chunk. And the reason I'm going to do that is twofold. Number one, we've preached through these individually before, and you can always access the sermon audio archives for them. But two, and I think this is the more important reason, is that when they were originally delivered, and when they were originally given by Jesus and recorded by Matthew, they were meant to be absorbed in a sitting. They were meant to be absorbed um, as a whole. They, they, and, and the reason being so is that they were sort of meant to shock the system. They were meant to be the spiritual smelling salt, so to speak, to awaken us to the reality of who we are, who God is, and where true life is found. And so sometimes when you, when you only preach through these one at a time, you can lose that sense of shock. You can lose that sense of awe. But in fact, that's what they are. They're, they're, they're just like a machine gun of, of how, how would I say this, theological arrows into our hearts, right? Blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. And all of them run so counter to what we, how we would think about life and things um, from a secular standpoint or a carnal perspective or a worldly or fleshly perspective. They, 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 they incite us, they spur us, they, they get us to ask questions. They, 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 they sort of spur us in our hearts into action and thinking and prayerful consideration. So that's really the most important reason why we're going to, this coming Sunday, preach them all in one lump. Now, what we do have a chance to do this week leading up to the sermon is to do a little more individual work. And today what I want to do is talk about a couple of different ways that we could think about dividing up these nine, some people say eight, others say nine Beatitudes, okay? And remember, one of your assignments was to be reading the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes over and over, just like you would a psalm, just like you would a proverb. And when you spend a lot of time in them, you do begin to see a discernible pattern, okay? Let me offer up a couple of different ways 
in which you can think about the Sermon on the Mount for yourself. Okay, so there are some who notice that the first three Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek, that these really um, constitute a self-assessment and evaluation of one's spiritual condition that accords with God's assessment of our spiritual condition, okay? So these are internal. These are reflexive. They're the, the poor in spirit, those who mourn, those who are meek. These are all, and we're going to come back, by the way, in the next couple of days and, and say something specifically about them. But these are all, all beatitudes or blessedness or uh, pronouncements of flourishing that get us to look in, inward, that get us to, to look at our souls, our hearts, ourselves, and to make an honest assessment of who we are and that we are fundamentally people in need. We are fundamentally people in um, desperate need of grace. We are sinners. We are prideful people. And the Beatitudes are saying, first, start with yourself. Start with your heart and look and, and do a, an honest evaluation before the Lord of who you are. The fourth Beatitude, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied, some would say is sort of the linchpin of the Beatitudes. That in other words, these three first three Beatitudes involve an assessment of self. And this linchpin is sort of the fruit of that self-assessment. That those who truly know who they are, okay, um, begin to have a deep hunger for the things of God. They begin to have a, a deep thirst for righteousness. And as they have that hunger and has have as they have that thirst, their gaze begins to go from a right assessment of themselves to a right assessment of how they are called to engage other people. So this fourth beatitude links these first three with these next three, okay? And so the next three are all ones that have, in a sense, a, be, a behavioral outcome, okay, or a behavioral outward focus that come as a result of an honest self-assessment. So blessed are the merciful, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are the peacemakers. Now, what's interesting about all three of those is they all have a terminal point outside of the self, okay? So poor in spirit, mourning, being meek, those are all internal um, assessments and attributes. But when we're merciful, that denotes an object of mercy. When we are pure in heart, okay, that denotes our posture and stance towards others. When we are peacemakers, that speaks to how we are positioning ourselves in relationships, okay? So, so this is one way to think about, again, the, the sermon. Three Beatitudes having us self-assessing inside. A fourth Beatitude, which is the linchpin, which leads to um, this desire to please the Lord, and that these next three are all outward manifestations of the, those, those first Beatitudes, okay? And finally, what we find in verse 10 and 11, 
are the outcomes of us living and embodying these beatitudes as it relates to the world, okay? Blessed are those who are persecuted. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you. So the, here's the sequence then. Proper self-assessment before God yields a posture towards God of wanting to please him, which then results in outward action towards others, as those who are impure at heart, those who are merciful, those who are peacemakers, which in the end, they live happily ever after. No, no, no. Which in the end may very well result in persecution, which may very well in the end lead to reviling and slandering, okay? And here is where our element of faith engages in this, right? How, how is that the good life? How is that flourishing? Well, in the kingdom of God, knowing that the earth, the kingdom on earth is, is temporary, it's fading. The people who persecute us, those who we are trying to please, those people are fading. But God's kingdom, God's economy, God endures forever. And so if it means living at peace with God um, by being rightly aligned in our hearts and minds and our behavior, then that is the ultimate good that we have regardless of what happens here on earth. But at the same time, it reminds us there is a cost of discipleship. There's a cost for following Christ, okay? So, so what I've done here is point to sort of three main um, sections of the Beatitudes, okay? And what we're going to do the next three days is look at each of those sections. So tomorrow, we're going to look at these internal, this internal posture and assessment. The next day, the outward manifestation of those in relationship to others. And three, what we can expect as a result as we walk faithfully in this life. All right, so that's where we're heading. Um, think about that, study that, ponder on that. Um, and we'll be back tomorrow to pick up the torch of the Beatitudes. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for this time. Lord, give us grace and mercy to receive your word into our lives, and let us trust you that these indeed are the pathway to flourishing and finding joy in you. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thanks, everybody.